on his hand. Welcome to Freedom Becoming Fully Alive in our current series, Foolproof Solutions for Impossible Relationships. Today's session is You Can't Change Your Fool. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day that you have made. We rejoice in it. We rejoice in you. Lord, we open our hearts to receive from you, Lord. Give us eyes to see from your point of view, Lord. Wisdom from above. Understanding to apply that wisdom. Humble hearts, teachable hearts. And I pray, Lord, that all foolishness would be banished from us and even simple living would be banished from us, and we truly would be a people that travel on the path of wisdom. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Welcome to the second part of this series. And we've entitled it, You Can't Change Your Fool. I've got a scripture for this series, for this session rather, and it's from Proverbs 16, 22. Proverbs 16, 22. This particular reference is from the New American Standard Version. And it says, Understanding is a fountain of life to him who has it. But the discipline of fools is folly. Let me read that again. Understanding is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the discipline of fools is folly. Proverbs 16, 22, New American Standard. To start things off today, I'd like to read a quote from the book by Jan Silvius. It's found on page 76, if you want to look it up later, if you happen to get a copy. And on that page, here is a quote that I think is such a defining quote for this particular series in this session. Your goal cannot be to have your fool change. Instead, your goal must be to find a personal freedom that allows you to be the person that God to be the person God intends for you to be, no matter what choices your fool makes. I'll read that again. Your goal cannot be to have your fool change. Instead, your goal must be to find a personal freedom that allows you to be the person that God intends for you to be, no matter what choices your fool makes. That sounds like a freedom perspective, doesn't it? Entering into a lifestyle where our life is not dependent upon people, places, or things. We live to an audience of one, and even if our circumstances don't change, even if the, quote, fool in our life doesn't change, still our greater concern is our response, our focus, our heart, how we're living, and, of course, living to an audience of one. And if he's satisfied, we're satisfied. If he's pleased, we're pleased. And may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to him. 
For the benefit of those of you that are stepping into the flow of this current series, and if you weren't here last week, just a brief refresher from last week. Last week, the session title was, Are You on the Path of the Simple, the Foolish, or the Wise? And our scripture last week was from Proverbs 1, 32, the waywardness of the simple will kill them, but the complacency and the complacency of fools will destroy them. So we talked about, we referred to the reality that a fool didn't start off being a fool. <laughs> From a biblical point of view, fools typically begin by being simple. And here again, we're not name-calling, you fool, out of a heart of anger. None of that. Matthew 5 forbids that. But we're not talking about name-calling. We're not talking about labeling. We're not talking about angrily uh, calling somebody a fool. You fool. We are agreeing with God, what he calls a fool. We're agreeing with God, who he calls simple. And we're agreeing with God, who he calls wise. So last week I tried to paint a bit of a word picture and I was visiting with Kiki Popovich after the session and he, was, he had some additional thoughts on that. So I'm going to call on him in a moment to share his thoughts. But so often a person who is on the path of a fool now previously wasn't on that path. They were on the path of the simple. And as a simple person, they were having or showing little sense of reasoning ability they were easily misled or deceived. They were lacking in sound judgment. They were undisciplined. They were ignorant of God's word, uh, naive, lacking foundation. Sadly, they really weren't seeking. So ignorance wasn't an excuse. Ignorance isn't bliss because we're responsible for what we could know. So the simple person is unconcerned, so to speak, using step up to life terminology. They are on the unconcerned step, for sure. They're not seeking. And all the other things that I mentioned. So, have you noticed in this city, and probably other cities, streets can have a name at one point, and then as you go through, it goes, that street goes along by, and it's called that name, and then it goes through an intersection, and the name changes. There are streets like that in the city. And it reminds me of, what happens when a person transitions from being a simple person to a fool. They were going along, this naive person, not seeking, not, not really open, but not overtly rebellious, doing their own thing, maybe with a smile on their face, not with defiance, not hard-hearted, but simply running their own lives, going down that simple road, and then there came a point of transition, and God knows, and they entered into the life of a fool. The name of the street changed from simple to fool. Kiki had an additional perspective on this. Kiki, if you'll come, and uh, if I could have the microphone, David had that earlier. If not, I'll uh, go with this. This will be. Well, just to build on the metaphor of 
in the context of traffic and uh, finding yourself uh, in a, a different uh, street. I, I was thinking of a, a highway in the light of a freeway, in the light of Jewish parallelism. Uh, the, as a basic form of the Proverbs and uh, Psalms as well, which puts the fool, uh, simple and the fool in the same category, or if we are talking about the traffic, that would be they're moving the same way. And uh, the differences that you explain, it has to do with intensity, with conviction. In a, so I, I see the way of uh, simple as a slow lane on the freeway and the uh, way of full as a fast lane on a freeway but heading the same way. Now that all stands in contrast with the uh, wise and if we want to play with the metaphor we can add another lane for the wise in terms of again intensity or experience uh, a wise lane for beginners <laughs> and then the fast lane. Uh, but the tricky part there is that there are no uh, divider in between. So uh, in life, uh, we can find ourselves in the wrong lane. So uh, that brings us back to the need of the, uh, looking at the map, the word of God, and listening to the spirit and straighten up ourselves because our way is not like sitting in a train and uh, you don't have to worry, you can sleep, <laughs> you'll still get there. You, we hold the wheels in our hands and we have to be careful. Yes, thank you very much. I hope that adds to the picture and is helpful. So transitioning from that to today, if the, fool's fine, uh, if the fool, if the life of the fool, and I'll talk more about definition in that regard for those of you that weren't here last week. If the fool's primary tool is foolishness, our primary tool in response to the fool must be understanding. With understanding will come hope. A foolish, here's another, uh, a little bit of a review, a little bit of a review on foolishness. It's characterized by being thick-headed, stubborn, unteachable, self-reliant, hardened, unbending, hot-headed, reckless, incorrigible, just unmanageable, unteachable to the extreme, perverse, quick to quarrel, and being one who finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. That's a quote. That last part is a quote from Proverbs 18.2. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. So the fool rattles as well. So it isn't, isn't it interesting, the fool will live a life of foolishness, and it's like that's, their, that's part of their toolbox of destruction. And they, they don't want anything to do with the very thing that will help us most in response to them, and that is understanding. Understanding is characterized by the ability to apply wisdom. And wisdom, of course, is the knowledge of God, 
relationship with him, knowing him and knowing his ways, seeing things from his point of view, and of course understanding is the ability to apply what we see from the wisdom he's giving us. Remember, it's impossible to change one who despises wisdom. We're talking about a fool being one who despises wisdom, mocks at what is right, and is given to starting quarrels. They, they love to stir things up. It's impossible to change them. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible for them to change. It's impossible for us to change them. So what we need is understanding. Wisdom, insight, good sense. In the verse that I started with from... Um, Proverbs 16.22. Understanding is our fountain. As it says in that verse, understanding is a fountain of life to him who has it. Understanding is our fountain. Understanding is our source. Understanding is our spring. And understanding has the potential of being our, our joy, which sounds like an impossibility <laughs> in response to a fool. You're thinking, how could there be any joy? But it just points out that when you begin to see things from God's perspective and you begin to see your part, your part, there can actually be peace and joy in the hope that comes. We definitely need understanding. We definitely need wisdom. A classic example of this is found in Proverbs 26. Let's turn to Proverbs 26, where we have two verses back-to-back that speak of responding to a fool. It says in Proverbs 26, 4, Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Don't answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll be like him. In other words, don't even dignify. Have you ever been involved in a conversation where the fool spoke, and it's like it was just so far out there? I mean, there's just nothing to say. Now, I was in that spot one day in the previous, in a day long ago. How do I know fools can change? I used to be one. (laughs) remember I said earlier you can't change a fool but a fool can change and I used to be one because I used to say those ridiculous things to my wife I used to uh, express the insane jealousy possessiveness accusing her of things that she wasn't guilty of accusing her of, of being involved with other men, when she never was, but I was so inge- insanely and jealous, insanely jealous I'd be accusing her. One time earlier, in our, it was her first teaching job. Her, edu- her, uh, her degree is in education, and her first teaching job was a first grade teaching job with a Catholic school in Fremont, Nebraska. And I even accused her of having an affair with one of the priests. That's how far out there I was. When she came home, I'd give her a hug and kind of check her out. 
I've got a good sniffer. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, if she even smelled different, if she even smelled like somebody else, I mean, I'd look at her hair, I would smell her as I hugged her, and if there was anything fishy, I would think, she, she's, she's been with somebody. I mean, it was, it was weird. It was bizarre. It was painful, yes. And at family gatherings, I would say such foolish things, you know, tearing down Christians, and they're all a bunch of poor people, and, you know, they just haven't got anything else. It's a crutch right there at a Thanksgiving dinner table, and nobody said anything because the fool had spoken again. So they were obeying the word with me because it says, don't answer a fool according to his folly or you will be like him yourself. So they didn't answer me. It was good because the fool had spoken. And then the next verse says, though, according, or excuse me, answer a fool, very, very next verse, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. <clears throat> there again, we need wisdom to apply that. And my wonderful wife applied that, speaking from firsthand experience. Before she came to the Lord, she would attack me. I'd attack her, she'd attack me. I'd attack her, she would react. I'd tear her down, she would react. After she came to the Lord, she either said nothing, in other words, don't even dignify it, or she spoke the truth into that situation not calling me names, not tearing me down, but speaking the truth, and then just leaving it. And then I would still have the last say, because the fool, you know, is typically, typically wants to have the last say. So she just delivered the package, quote-unquote, of truth into the situation and say no more. We need wisdom in responding to a fool. What we need to see as a part of understanding is what our part is. My goal for this session today is that we will admit, that you will admit yourself, you will admit to yourself the truth, if this applies, if this applies, that you will admit to yourself that you're in relationship with a fool, if you are, because sometimes we have a hard time even admitting that. And number two, that we'll accept the reality that we can't change him or her. And number three, we'll have a beginning perspective on our part in responding to the fool. Because what we typically do is we tend to be over-responsible. Uh, if we think we can change them, right away we're sucked in. And we'll take we'll take too much responsibility and we'll take responsibility for their responses. We'll take responsibility for their behavior. And we may even take it to the extreme that we let them define us. In a parental context, if they think we are lacking as a parent, which we all are to some degree because there's only one perfect parent, but if they start turning the tables on us and calling us names, and you're so strict, and uh, 
you're not a good parent, you don't love me. We get sucked <clears throat> we get sucked into those kind of things and we try to prove them wrong. How do we stay out of the web? Just as a reminder, and some of you have heard this in a previous session, previous series on duplicity, and out of and also going back to free from the web of relational demonics. How do we stay out of the web of being manipulated and sucked in emotionally? Number one, don't make agreement the goal. Don't make them understanding you the goal. And don't make being right, you being right, the goal. Because if you have to agree, then they may say something like, you're such a strict parent. And then you try to bring up all the reasons why you're not. And then they just bring up all the more reasons why you are. And you get sucked in there and your head starts spinning and your parental heart, your mother's heart, starts thinking, well, I want them to love me and all those kind of things. And we do, because we love them. But it's so easy to get sucked in and get manipulated so don't make agreement the goal, don't make being understood the goal, because sometimes you can get exasperated because you just want, you're trying to explain yourself, but they twist it and they're just not understanding it and you just keep trying. Don't make being understood the goal and don't have to be right. Don't make being right the goal. Mindy had a, um, a picture that I'd like her to uh, share a little bit more on today having to do with the mountain climbing example that I started on last week. And, and do we have the handheld? I know David had that earlier, and now I see David back in the room. So honey, can you come? And uh, I started on this last week, but uh, I'd like Mindy to uh, develop this further because word pictures can help us. And it has to do with our response. You know, here we are climbing the mountain of life, so to speak, and then uh, the fool, we have the fool on our hands, so to speak, and take it away. Well, Stephen and I have been talking about this because of the series, and we've both been interested in it, and um, he brought up the mountain climbing example, and it was something that when we were talking about it a few weeks ago, the, you know, the Lord just dropped this into my mind, and it was about the mountain, you know, tr climbing a mountain, trying to get to the summit, and yet you're, you've got this person that you're taking with you to the summit. And um, before you go, you're teaching and you're training, you're investing, explaining all the dangers and the pitfalls and the timing and everything, because if you don't get there at a certain time, you know, the weather sets in and all these things. I've never climbed a mountain, but <laughs> the jungle gym, I don't know. <laughs> but I've heard. So um, anyway, that would be the informational and then, um, so you're ready for your climb. You've done all your work, your preparation, and the two of you are climbing together. And um, as you're going on the climb, uh, the person with you is the fool. And they have all the information, but they're distracted with other things, and they're causing all kinds of problems. Um, they're doing things their own way instead of the way you taught them. And um, they're costing you time and energy and many uh, scares because of the things that have happened along the way because of their disobedience. And so that would be um, no application. 
And then the third part is um, you realize that you're both not going to make it. You're not going to make it at all because of the foolishness of the person that you're with. And so you have to make a decision. And your decision is you either keep trying to do something that's not going to happen or you cut the rope. And that is, if you're going to cut it emotionally, that would be very, that would be very painful. It'd be very painful, period. But you realize you're both going down unless you cut the rope. And that would be the destructive part. And so um, you need to cut the rope, but you need to cut it unto the Lord and entrust that foolish person to the Lord for him to have his timing, his ways, and how you want to do things. You need to go on with him, and you need to allow the Lord to do his work in them. So you're not dropping them in a way that, well, that's the end of you. I'm going on without you. You do need to go on, but you need to go on unto the Lord, praying for that person and praying that that person will repent and come to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yes, amen. Thank you, honey. Stories. Sorry, hon. I turned it back on. Thank you. Stories can help us. Pictures can help us. Metaphors, examples can help us. Before we go any further, let me read a story from the book that uh, has has inspired this series, Foolproofing Your Life by Jan Silvius. And this is from Chapter 7, The Fool in the Mirror. Sharon slammed her fist down on the table as she spoke of her ex-husband's outrageous comments. She hated what he was, how he was behaving, and how he was influencing their teenage children. She felt helpless, hopeless, and totally outraged by his antics. The redness in her cheeks revealed her agitation. Her words were sharp, bitter, and full of anger. She looked like an animal who was cornered in a cage. Like the, like the movie character swinging at the, excuse me, like the movie character swinging at the much larger tough guy, she, he, he just can't reach. Sharon was swinging at her circumstances, expending her energy and making herself sick while nothing was changing. Her anger was explosive. She didn't know what to do about the situation or about herself. I want to do what's right, and I hate what I have become, she cried. Burying her head in her hands, she sobbed, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Sharon had not started out as an angry person. She was the typical let's get along kind of girl when she had met Chris. He was angry occasionally. But she didn't take it seriously because he seemed like such a sweetheart most of the time. What she failed to recognize was that he was angry when things didn't go his way. And she couldn't fix, she couldn't fix whatever displeased him. Excuse me, that's true, she couldn't ultimately. But what she's saying here is if she could fix whatever displeased him, Then he quit being angry. She rescued him many times just to keep the peace. So he'd get angry, she'd try to fix it, and she began to see that working to some degree, which obviously just sucked her in all the more. Whether it was with the family 
whether it was with his family, her family, or the neighbors, if Chris got himself into a corner with his anger, Sharon smoothed it over. So she was covering, covering for him. There's a principle in the scriptures that Sharon didn't know, so she didn't realize she was getting herself set up for a future heartache. That principle is this. A man of great anger shall bear the penalty, for if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. Proverbs 19.19. The longer Chris and Sharon were together, his anger increased. She covered for him, and the next time, she had to cover more. Over time, over time, Chris developed into a man of great anger. Sharon was fearful of his outbursts and embarrassed by the things he would say or do. She began declining family functions. You can see it began to affect their life. She began, she began declining family functions whenever possible and opted just to stay home. If anything came up where she and Chris might have to attend together, she was easier, it was easier that way. It was easier to stay away. She could handle him at home, but she couldn't deal with him in public. As Chris became more difficult, Sharon's heart began to harden. She knew it, she hated it, but didn't do anything about it. Her hardness was her defense. Her hardness became her defense, actually, against his outbursts. She tried to pray for him, but that made her angry. Then she prayed for herself, but she was so angry she felt her prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. Sharon was experiencing the truth of the second principle that she didn't know, which is don't, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man lest you learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Sharon was snared. She was angry just like Chris, and she used her anger with just as much passion, ferocity. She had learned his ways, and in grabbing hold of a weapon that she didn't know how to use, namely anger, she was hurting herself and other people. Sharon had made two common mistakes, and she was reaping a common result she tried to rescue Chris from the consequences of his anger, and she had continued to be associated with him in the midst of his anger. By not separating herself from his outrage, she had become enraged. Now she was recognizing the woman she had become, and she hated that woman. She hated herself. So as you look at these situations, think about what you're facing. Maybe it's a husband and wife scenario. Maybe it's a parent-child scenario. Maybe it's a family, an extended family scenario. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's something else. Ask yourself the question, is there a fool in your life? Is there one, is there one that can be characterized by how I described a fool earlier? And we looked and we read a lot of verses last week, and I've got a whole lot more, but... I'll just summarize for now. Thick-headed, stubborn, unteachable, self-sufficient, hardened, unbending, hot-headed, reckless, incorrigible, perverse, quick to quarrel, and being one who finds no pleasure in understanding but delights in airing his own opinions. This could be someone you could never please. You try to please them, it's never enough. 
could be somebody that slanders you. That's part of the characteristic of a fool as they slander. They're always, or not always, but in some cases, the way it expresses itself is running at the mouth or gushing forth folly. Someone who manipulates. Someone who lives in this web that I was describing earlier. And if you make agreement to the goal or understanding, even being understood, you get sucked into that. Things get twisted and turned. You're all confused. You're all flustered. You say and do things that you can't believe you're saying. You're responding in like kind. And in some ways, you're becoming just like them. What do you do with this person? What do you do with this person? That is what this series is all about. Foolproof solutions for impossible relationships. Even if yours isn't impossible, let's just take it to the extreme and then everything short of the extreme is going to help you too. What does it mean to cut that rope that Mindy was referring to? What does it mean? Surely it doesn't mean giving up on them and just throwing them away. Certainly it doesn't mean um, hardening your heart toward them. What does it mean to cut that rope? And, and can any of us identify that if you try to relate to a fool and you're taking responsibility for them changing and, and um, they're perhaps more important than they need to be and you're trying to keep the peace, peace at any price, that you actually can start giving away parts of yourself and then it starts feeling like more and more like, who am I? I don't know who I am anymore. I, I feel like I'm becoming a non-person. You know, numbness of soul can be a part of it. Confusion can be a part of it. And even the anger that Sharon referred to in the story. What is it for you? What, is it, what does God want in the way of a response? Well, I'd like to hear from you a little bit before we have our table time, just to make sure we're, um, there aren't any unnecessary clouds or confusion. But uh, if it would help anyone, and only if you have the freedom, if you want to bring up a situation for us to respond to, we could certainly do that. David's got the mic, and if you have a situation and you're wondering, how do I respond? I need help in knowing how to respond. And if you're willing to do that without mentioning names, not trying to implicate anybody else, but this is to help you. If that would help you to do it in this context, great. If you'd prefer to do it at your table, fine. If you would prefer to do it in the context of an individual appointment, I respect that as well. Whatever would be a blessing to you. But if anybody has a question now about a situation that you're facing, we can certainly address that as well. Yeah. Yes. I'll go stand up. Yes. I'll take this chance because I know there's at least one more person in this room who feels my same pain. So uh, I'll go ahead and say it because I didn't know I was going to end up this way, but I did. Yeah. So everything uh, that you already said, well, that, that Sharon reading thing, that, that just describes me. But uh, the good news, I guess, is that I'm, 
I'm here this morning to hear this, to see and recognize that, hey, there is a solution in the church, because I look for solutions outside the church, because it doesn't always fit and meet the need when you're downstairs when everybody's singing. That's not speaking to you, to your fool or your situation that you're trying to be like that fool or take responsibility, this and that. Mm -hmm. So my little, uh, so to speak, fool is only 16 year old, but um, for, uh, for whatever reasons, uh, I got to be like that Sharon you're reading about to the point that, uh, you know, you get angry and you don't, you get numbness of soul. Uh, there's lots of confusion and lots of not knowing uh, what to do and uh, who have I become. So what if you walk with the Lord 20, 30 years? Surprise, things happen. Uh, things that you never thought would happen and things that... Um, when others were telling you about these sort of things, but your own stuff and life was good, it did not register. It doesn't make sense. So thanks to, I'm going to mention this name, gentleman also, thanks to listening to uh, Les Brown, um, just a small snippet of him. In some ways, thanks for having this pain with this 16-year-old. I'm going to be something someday, but not right now. <laughs> Not right now, but uh, I know there's at least one more person. I won't mention name, but it is tough. It is ugly, and uh, I'm not any kind of a spiritual giant to know how to deal with this such a small person in size, if you will, and yet so filled with this mm -hmm. foolish stuff. And I don't know exactly where it comes from, but it looks evil. Mm -hmm. uh, it just looks evil and all those things that we learn about evil it seems like it becomes embodied and lives in your house and does whatever it wants and this and that but it, it is it is hard because the world is is harsh and um, if they pick up on it, it it just gets really difficult regardless of who you are or what your beliefs are or whatever I don't know if I said what I wanted to say I'm just saying it's difficult and there's another one coming right out behind him. He's 14, so see what happens. Yeah. But the po uh, still, I wanted to say I was downstairs praying yesterday, not knowing what in the world to do with myself or anything else. And I'm here this morning because Kurt said I should uh, stop by and see what this freedom thing is. Amen. So this freedom thing is making sense, at least the first time around. Yeah, it's wonderful. Thank you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, PK. Well, in a beginning response to what PK is bringing up, I, I go back to where we started today in quoting page four, uh, 76 from uh, the book, Foolproofing Your Life. Your goal cannot be to have your fool change. Instead, your goal must be to find a personal freedom in you, a personal freedom for you that allows you to be the person God intends you to be, no matter what the choices the fool makes. Yes. <laughs> I guess I have a comment. Um, yes. Most of you have known that I've struggled with a very, very hard marriage. Um, yes. I've been a believer now for 16 years, mm -hmm. and it's been a very hard thing. It's defined me for many years. Mm -hmm. But... We have to all know that 
This is God's process in our life. And this is something that he's using to grow us up, to make us strong. Mm -hmm. So that when we do understand what God is trying to make us, Mm -hmm. make us through the process of this fool, we will be much stronger than if we hadn't had that in our life in the first place. Amen. That's a key perspective right there. That, that's a life-giving perspective. And I think that's part of the understanding when you speak, when we um, refer to the, our, our theme scripture for today. Understanding, understanding, applied wisdom. Understanding is a fountain of life to him who has it. And it's that fountain of life. It's that grace that we need. Now, we still need answers, so we're not, please, please don't hear me say that truth and perspective is where it ends. But if it doesn't begin with truth and perspective, there'll be no end. <laughs> there'll, new, there'll be no solution. There'll be no lasting solution. And of course, truth and perspective is that beginning solution. Foolproof solutions for impossible relationships begin with understanding. Keep in mind their weapon, whether they realize it or not, their weapon is their foolishness in many and varied forms. Our weapon, if I can say it that way, or tool of response is understanding. Because if we don't understand, we will we'll go up that mountain. We'll try to go up that mountain together. And as they go, we will go. And uh, we will become like a Sharon. And we will become like others who who, who uh, become, ironically speaking, they allow the fool to define them. And then everything that the fool tells you that you are, you become. Because you let them define you. So cutting the rope has to include, they're not going to define me. But we can't just say, I don't know what to do with you, you fool. You know, the, the reaction will be, just go on your own. You know, just live your life of foolishness. Just let them go and not participate or not be willing to participate. How, get, how does God want us to participate? Because here we are, we're conscientious, right? We're obedient, sons and daughters. We're people of integrity. We can't, we're responsible. We have a sense of responsibility. We have the fear of the Lord. We can't just give up. And think, oh, I just—I don't know what to do with you, so just get out of here. I hope you make it. What do we do? What's our part? Well, it begins with understanding. It begins with perspective. And it begins with getting the mind of the Lord on our part. And, by the way, that is not something you settle today. Oh, I got that settled. Settle it today. You'll have to settle it tomorrow. And you'll have to settle it the next day. And you'll have to settle it the day after that. It's not the same. It isn't like once settled, always settled. Because there are new manifestations of the fool, foolishness. <laughs> new opportunities. And now what? But one thing you don't want to do is you don't want your life to orbit around the fool. You don't want your life to become the fool. You don't want to live for the fool. You don't want to take responsibility for how the fool turns out. 
All those things are perspectives that we must settle. If we don't, you will be torn apart. You'll, you will be destroyed. And so cutting the, cutting the rope is not just a, uh, I'm done with you, get out of here. How do we relate? Yes, Mary. If you'll, if you'll wait a sec, the microphone is coming. Thank you. Um, I didn't know I was a fool for 15 years. I mean, what I've been saved 13, 14 years, and I never would have thought I was. You know, I would start quarrels. I would point out faults. I would <laughs> you know, I thought I was what's the word, wise in my own eyes. So that just shows how you, you don't want to try to change somebody because they can't see it. So the more you try to say, you're being foolish, you're being foolish. I mean, I was just so blind to it. God had to do it. And boy, did he do it. Yes. You know, I mean, oh, he just does it till you're on your face. And um, so that was just what I thought. I thought you, most of the time... I mean, I did not see it. I could not see it. I was blind to it. Yes. I thought I was the smartest person in the world. Yes. You know? And uh, it, took, it took a lot of humbling. It took a lot of terrible things, you know? Yes. With, you know? So, anyways, that's just a word just for people. You can't change somebody because they don't believe they're a fool anyways. So, what yes. you can do is pray for the Lord to convict you know, set your boundaries, you know, boundaries, you got to be careful, with, but, you know, don't let them treat you disrespectfully and all that stuff. Say, I won't put up with this, but mm -hmm. to try to point out their faults, it never works. Right. No. If they're a fool and, and don't no. know. Well, this today will not be the end of this series, okay? Just remind you, we're going to continue on next week and the week after through the month of July, and I want to make sure we have a table talk today, but before I turn you loose at your tables to share, and Jeff, if you'll put the question up, it's a two-part question, and I'll say something before we go to that. Do you have a fool in your life? How are you responding? I want to share just a little reminder of hope. I used to be a fool. I stand before you as a former fool. Everybody that I know right now, and we have fools, Mindy and I have fools in our life. Nobody in this room that I'm thinking of, by the way. <laughs> we have fools in our life. You have fools in your life, perhaps. It's always a process. It's always a process. In some situations, it could include um, the details of a, of a child being placed in a facility, a boys' town, or something like that. It could include uh, the child being separated from you, in the case of a parent-child, as a part of what's necessary. That may be the type of cutting the rope that you need temporarily. Because if you don't, you'll lose your sanity. 
and you'll all go down together. And in some cases, those kind of measures need to be taken. But that isn't a cure. That's not a cure because you could do something like that with a child, and if you are still taking responsibility for the outcome on the inside, it'll eat you alive no matter where they live. You just may not have to deal with the foolishness face-to-face -face every day, but it won't be the cure for you. The distance, the separation won't be the automatic cure. But there are solutions. But sometimes parents aren't free to take those steps. And I'm not saying we have to, but are we free to? And sometimes in a husband and wife scenario, there isn't a freedom to take measures uh, that uh, are more extreme, which could include separation with a purpose, not because that's where it's going to end up, but because what, what, what is it going to take for some sanity, for some space? What is it going to take? But always, always majoring on your response. And I'm giving, I'm giving more extreme steps to illustrate, but not to make those the standard, but is there freedom to do that? In my case, Mindy didn't take those kind of steps. I mean, I was physically abusive as well as emotionally and verbally. Had I continued, she probably would have separated eventually, but she didn't to the degree. Was she right? Was she wrong? The issue is that she was trying to get the mind of the Lord in that situation. It was a process. But she began to participate when she allowed the, with the, when she allowed the Lord to define her and no longer me define her and give, and give the relationship to the Lord and let the Lord have his way with her heart. So every situation that I'm involved in, every situation that I know about is a very challenging capital C process. That's part of the motivation for this series. Foolproof solutions for impossible situations because they are all around us and probably in this room too. But please keep in mind process perspective, no quick fixes, and keep in mind that it may never change. The circumstances may never change. The fool may never change. Subtle at the extreme, they may never change. Understanding will help us. We can't hang on to the hope, living for them to change, living for them to change, putting our hope in that. We will rise and fall. Our life will revolve around him, around him or her. So, as we go to our table talk, as we share around our table, and if you've got more than one leader at your table, just decide among the leaders who's going to lead and um, facilitate answering the question. And uh, then at 11 o'clock, I'll, I'll close in prayer, starting now.